Alright, well I thought it would be appropriate this morning. I know we're in the midst of a series on Romans. But last week, as Brad was wrapping up his message, he touched on some thoughts from Romans about parenting. And I thought, you know what, we're dedicating babies this morning. Why don't we talk about parenting? So in keeping with that series and trying to build a little bit of what Brad talked about last week, I thought, let's do this thing. And now some of you may be sitting here saying, well, that doesn't apply to me. Right? And I understand that. You go, well, I'm single, or my kids are grown, or I'm a teenager, or whatever. And you're sitting here, you're going, I don't think this applies to me. And I'd say, well, actually it does. Because in some ways, of course, most of us here in this church, many of us are parents, and one way or another, you know, our kids are grown. Um, many of us are potentially parents, are going to be parents, and, and even for those of us who aren't, that's okay because we're surrounded by parents. Did you know that in this church, when we look at people who call this church their home, about a third of the people who call this church home are under the age of 18. So that's in some ways the future of our church. And so each one of us, regardless of where we're at in the parenting journey, has a vested interest in understanding what the gospel has to say about parenting. And, haha, I tricked you. You all stood up and said you'd be invested in parenting <laughs> a few minutes ago. We have all agreed now to help. So that's why parenting matters to all of us, whether we're in the trenches or not. Now, for myself, I am a parent, but I want to just say this. I I don't think I'm qualified to tell you how to parent. And this is why. Because I got six kids. And you might say, well, that qualifies you. And I go, no, 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 no. The more I go into this journey, the more I say, wow. It's only by God's grace that I go there, that we go there. So these are my kids. You could see them on the screen. I love my kids dearly. All six of them. And see, having kids, it, it doesn't make me an authority. It doesn't make me an authority on, or an expert on how to be a parent. God holds the authority on parenting. God will tell us and lead us in what to do. I see, ultimately, parenting is a difficult and a personal thing. Amen? Yeah, for those of you who are parents, you're going, amen? Yeah, that's right. It is very difficult. And it is very personal. And all of us have to sort of make those choices. So I'm not going to stand up here and tell you, do this and don't do that and do this and treat them this way. And in this situation, respond to that. I don't know if I could really give you those answers per se. But I think, as a church, I can say there's a place for us to start. There is a place for us to start. And where should we start? As with all things, we should start with the gospel. The good news about Jesus Christ. And when we start with the gospel, then we can offer, hey, you know what? I've seen other people go before me in parenting and in humility. I say, hey, in this situation or these things as the kids are doing this, I've seen good fruit as they've sort of brought the gospel into the world that way. Or maybe I've walked through that and it's kind of worked its way out this way. Or maybe I've made some mistakes and here's been sort of the problem in the process. But hey, we can sort of all learn together and grow. But we have to start with the gospel. And if we start with the gospel, then we start to talk about the nuts and the bolts, we can really have a sense of humility. And we're not having some sort of religious sense of, of right and wrong and works righteousness as we approach our parenting. So today, I'm not going to talk about do's and don'ts of parenting. Discipline this, or feed that, or bedtimes this. I'm not talking about that. We're going to talk about parenting with the gospel. 
And so I have two thoughts. The first one really is all about how we can have a starting point, a foundation, a place to launch from to honor God with our parenting. And if we can have that place, if we can have that home base, if we can have that foundation, that starting point, then we all can be speaking the same language as we walk through this journey of parenting and walking through the journey with parents together and how we can support each other in the church. So, that being said, here's my first thought. And this is what I think is the foundation. The key thing about parenting that we need to take away is this, is that the goal of parenting is to worship Jesus Christ. That's where we need to land. That's where we need to start. That needs to be our focus. And I think in all things, we have to ask this question, who am I seeking to please? Who am I trying to please? And the things that I'm doing in my life, who am I trying to please? And we need to ask that question about our parenting as well. Here's some options of people I could be trying to please. I could be trying to please my spouse. Well, my wife really likes the thing, so I'm going to try to please her. Right? My friends. Oh, I don't want to look bad for my friends. Oh, well, my parents did it this way, and they're looking over my shoulder. Some of you are grandparents in this room. Understand that. Oh, my kids. I really want to please my kids. I don't want them to be mad at me. Maybe it's my coworkers. Maybe it's my neighbors. Oh, I don't want to look bad for the neighbors across the fence. Oh, I don't want Greg and Brad to look down at me and think I'm a bad parent. Oh, maybe it's my extended family. Maybe it's just my circle, the people I'm around. Who are you trying to please? Look at that list. None of these are bad people. You're not trying to please the devil here. These are all good people. You're trying to please good people. And so we can deceive ourselves and think, I'm on the right track because I'm trying to please good people. Isn't it good to please good people? But let's go back to the gospel for a moment. What is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus Christ came to earth. He took the penalty for my sins. He died. He came back to life. And he offers me the free gift of salvation. That if I receive it, when it comes to judgment day, the penalty that's due for my sin will fall on him instead of on me. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And Jeremy alluded to it earlier, and I appreciate it. I go, man, I'm so glad because this is something that's in my life, and I want to impart it to you guys, is that I need to daily preach that gospel to myself. Because if I don't, I'm going to end up thinking I'm just working to get my way to God or get myself right with God. And to preach the gospel to myself, I need to say, yes, my sin is deeper and worse than I even imagined. But God's grace is larger and bigger and deeper than I could have dreamed. And so when we think about the gospel and we think about it in that perspective, and we go, okay, this applies to parenting, where do we go? Well, I like to go to Ephesians 3.8. Paul says, grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles. And preach what? The boundless riches of Christ. The boundless riches of Christ. Think about that for a second. Boundless riches? Wow, that's amazing. Just about everything we can think of with riches has some sort of boundary around it, but the riches of Christ do not. So we are to be disciples pursuing these boundless riches in our life. What do they include? Well, forgiveness from that death penalty that's due for me. That's one of the riches. Salvation from hell and salvation into heaven. 
How about a right relationship with the creator of the universe? That's one of the boundless riches of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so on and so on and so on. All of these boundless riches of Christ. And what does it take? What does it take to go after the boundless riches of Christ? Matthew 13, 44 to 45, Jesus says, Hey, the boundless riches of Christ, the kingdom of heaven, is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. He sold all that he had to go after the boundless riches of Christ. We need to go after Jesus with all of our hearts. Amen? All of our hearts. What does it mean going after Jesus? What does that mean? It means worshiping Jesus. And now we get back to parenting. The goal of parenting is to worship Jesus because we want to go after Jesus with all of our hearts. So, if I must be ready to give all of my heart to Christ, if I must be able to want to be ready to go after the boundless riches of Christ, can I still worship Him and just try to please others? Can I be doing both of those things at the same time? What does the Apostle Paul say in Galatians chapter 1? He says, For I am, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, what? I would not be a servant of Christ. I would not be going after the boundless riches of Christ. Clearly not. I cannot worship Jesus and strive to please others. My goal should be to please God alone. But why am I trying to please God alone? I'm not, I'm not, I should not be doing it to make God love me more because he can't. He already loves me at the maximum level. We've talked about that in the past. He loves me at the maximum level. Paul addresses this in Galatians 3. He says, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Having begun with the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Are you now being perfected by works? Did you start worshiping Christ and receive the free gift of salvation and now you're running after the boundless riches of Christ by trying to be self-righteous? Paul is saying, don't think you can start with worship and then move on to pleasing others. It's not how the gospel works. That's not its intention. My goal should be to please God out of love, not out of self-promotion, not out of religiousness, not out of works righteousness. So we understand that worship of Jesus must be the core of our parenting. You guys know this is one of my favorite verses. I have it on my desk. I've had it on my desk since I was a little kid. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do what for the glory of God? All. Is there anything excluded from all? No. So, parenting. Is parenting included in all? Yes. Parent for the glory of God. Don't parent for good people. We're not trying to please people by doing good things when we follow the gospel. We're aiming to please God out of love for Him because of what He's done for us. Now you might say, hey, wait a second. Okay, so I got a parent to worship Jesus, and I get that, but don't I want to win with my kids? Don't I want to see my kids? These, all these families stand up here and they go, Yeah, I want my kids to be following God when they come into adulthood. Don't I want to be doing that? Isn't that what I'm aiming for? 
Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old he should not depart from that. Isn't that what we want to aim for? Yeah, it is. Winning is good. We want our kids to be healthy. We want them to be smart. We want them to be mature. We want them to be balanced. We want them to be disciples of Jesus Christ. But I think there's a nuance here that can trip us up. We start to take those things and say that's the object. It's a goal. It shouldn't be an object. Why am I parenting to, to win with my kids? Why? It's got to be for the glory of Christ. It's got to be for the glory of God. It can't be because I'm trying to please others. It can't be because I'm trying to make them look good to others or because I want to be proud of my kids or I want them to have accomplishments that are great. Sometimes we can even think, oh, no, it's good. I want them to have a good life. I want them to be the next thing. Maybe he's the next great Olympian. That's not what we're aiming for. That may happen. We'd rather get to the end and say, ah, I worship Christ. That's what I'm going to be accountable to God for. That's what you're going to be accountable to God for. We also got to remember our kids are responsible ultimately for their lives when they get into adulthood. So let's make our parenting be worship of Jesus. That's what we're aiming for at this church as a church family. This should be square one, our common denominator, the place we start for our parenting. And from that, if we start from that, then we can go on to working out the hows and the whats and the nuts and the bolts and working together in humility. But we've got to start from that. It's a square one. And so if we do that, that leads me to my second thought. We can move from just having a goal to having a place to follow that goal. And so my second thought is this. Parents should connect their physical family to a spiritual family. And so I think we've got to ask this question. Does God desire that we be united with other believers on the journey of faith and the journey of life? Is that God's heart for us? Is that what God would have us do? We have to ask that. What do you think? Do you think that's true? Well, let's find out what the scripture says. Psalm 133 verse 1. How good and pleasant it is when God's people do whatever they want to do. Oh wait, that's not what it says. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Does God want us to be united with other believers on the journey? Yeah, according to this verse, I think he does. What about Hebrews 10, 24, and 25? Let us consider how we can go on and do whatever we want to do on our own time. Nope, it doesn't say that. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good, good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. We've got to be together. God's plan is so clear that we should worship Jesus together, not alone. And if parenting is worship of Jesus, then we need to worship Jesus together. But there's some stuff that stands in our way. There's some enemies, aren't there? Let's look at those. I think there's three enemies. Our first one is the devil. The devil, let's ask that. The devil, he's our spiritual enemy in the spiritual realm and he stands against us. And do you think he wants us to be united? Probably not, right? What did Jesus say in John chapter 10? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Satan wants us to be disunited, right? I believe Satan really has two goals. When we see from Scripture, Satan is opposed to God. And so his number one goal is, I want to keep somebody out of the kingdom of heaven. 
I want to keep people from receiving the free gift of salvation. And that's his number one goal. And if he can't achieve that goal and somebody does receive the free gift of salvation, he goes, fine, I want to keep them from passing that on to anyone else. And from walking out in their lives and experiencing God work in their world. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. And if he can't stop us, if he can't kill us, he's going to sidetrack us. That's his goal. That's his goal. So does Satan want us to be united? The answer is no. What about the world? Does the world encourage united families? Look around at the world around us. Do they want us to be united to a spiritual family or even united within our own families? I don't think so. You saw that picture of my kids. I've got six of them. Do you know how many ways that they are pulled by the world to do so many different things? unbelievable. The world wants us to have a whole bunch of individuals living in the same house. They want a whole bunch of individuals walking into the same church, not united. And we see that because there's so many options. There's so many things. There's so many things calling out for our time, and the world does not have a pattern of wanting us to be united together. And what about our flesh? We look at ourselves, we look at just sort of how we are and how we're made, and does our flesh push us to be in fellowship with others or not? I think it's pretty obvious that our flesh wants us to be in retreat into our own world, into our own place, into doing our own thing without being with each other. There's a saying we like to have in our church, and it's not scripture, but we like to say it. We say, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And I think that principle is really at work here because our flesh is pulling us away from fellowship. And so when we think about these three enemies, we have to say, if the enemy wants to disunite, if the world wants to divide, if our flesh wants to deflect us, will it take us to, will it take work for us to worship God? Will it take work for us to worship Jesus by joining a spiritual family? Or is it just going to happen? I just kind of show up and be like, oh, it's my spiritual family. And oh, hey, look, it just kind of came about around me. No. Let me just answer that for you. No, it won't just happen. You have to decide whether you are a parent or not a parent. You have to decide. It's going to take work. And are you going to put the work into it? And are you going to make the choices? And that work, it doesn't necessarily come in big decisions. It comes in a lot of little, small decisions. Because I think most of us would sit here and we would give intellectual assent to this concept of, yeah, I do want to be part of a spiritual family, and yeah, it does take some work. But you go, oh, it's going to take little decisions. It's going to take just a little bit here, a little bit there. See, we have to keep making decisions to be united together because if we don't, and I make a little decision, a little decision, a little decision, a little decision, and suddenly I'm not united. I'm not connected to a spiritual family. And for families with kids, the challenge to unite is magnified. It's magnified by the increased burden of management and organization and relationships that are going on within your own house. And so it's going to take work. It's going to take effort. Again, not effort so that we can be right with God or so God will love us more. It's going to take effort for us to follow Jesus Christ and to worship him. So you may be sitting here saying, okay, I got it. 
I see what you're talking about. What do I do? How can I unite my family with this church, for example, or with any church? How can I do that? If the devil's out to stop me, if my flesh doesn't want to do it, if the world is trying to pull me away from that, how can I do it? Come on, Greg, you've got to give me something practical here. What can I do? And I walk out the door to say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. Well, there's no magic bullet. But here's a few things as I think through it and I pray through it and I go, these are things that I've done. I've seen others of you in this church do this and it bears good fruit because it connects you to a spiritual family. So here's five things you could do. This first one is revolutionary. Show up. (laughs) Show up regularly. Right, I stood up here and I gave announcements. We talked about, obviously, we know we have Sunday mornings and we have gospel groups. We've got seven different gospel groups that meet throughout the week and there's opportunities to connect with those. We have a mom's time on Fridays. You can call people up. You can spend time with them. There's things going on. We're having a men's time getting going. We've got a women's time going. There's all these things you can do to show up, but you have to actually show up. You have to show up. I know it's not rocket science. How many people have said, I just can't get connected to the church? And I go, did you come more than once every six weeks to something? Show up. How can I unite with the family in this church or any church? Show up. There's a second one. It takes a little bit of vulnerability, but you can open your home to others. All of us eat, I think. Is there anybody who doesn't eat? Yeah, we all eat, right? You could share a meal together. There's holidays. You know what? You could have holidays spent together. We've got Memorial Day coming up and Fourth of July and Labor Day. You could do those things. You could spend time together. You could just say, you know what? We're going to have a game night. Our family likes to play games, or maybe our family doesn't like to play games, but you know what? We're going to play a game, and we're going to invite you, other family, or some other people. Why don't you come over to our home and do that with us? Open your home to others. You want to be united? Open your home. Third thing you can do is multiply your time. I'm not talking about advanced math here. It's just multiplication, which just means doing two things at once. You're going to have your kids in sports? Invite somebody else to have their kids in sports with you. You're going to take a vacation? Hey, there's a radical idea. Maybe you could both do that together. You like camping? I don't like camping, but that's okay. Somebody invited me and my family to go camping. We'd probably try to go because we want to be united. Again, eating is such a theme. You're going to go out to eat? Other people go out to eat. Go out together. Multiply your time. Do things together. There's a fourth thing you can do. If you want to be united with a family in the church, ask for help and ask for advice. Again, the world is going to say, no, no, you got the answers. You just do it as yourself. You don't need to talk to anybody. No. Look, here I am. I'm one of your pastors. Brad is the other pastor. You know what? Neither of us are experts. But God has put us here as a resource for you to help you. Even if we say, ha, you know what? I'll tell you. I'll be honest with you. If I don't know the answer, I'm going to say, I don't know what the answer is to your issue. But thank you for sharing that with me. And I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to think about it. And I might talk to some other people, generally speaking, and not share your personal information, but just to see if I can help you come up with some answer. And there's a whole bunch of other people besides Brad and I in this room who are willing to help you and to give you advice. Especially when it comes to parenting, right? 
We all want to work that out. We all want to go together. We go, yeah, I want to parent. I want to win. I want my kids to do well. I want to worship Christ. But man, this is hard. I don't even understand. Well, let's have a dialogue. Let's communicate. If we start from square one and we start from the right foundation, then we can come to places where we go, well, maybe I disagree about that and disagree about that. But man, we agree on the main point and we can ask for advice and we can ask for help and we can be united. So we move forward. So that'd be the fourth thing. Ask for help and advice. And the fifth thing is this. Unfortunately, you can't say yes to everything. And you're going to have to say no to some things. And you're really going to have to say no to some good things. It's really easy to say no to just bad things, right? I don't really want to do that. I'll just say no to that. Man, there's all kinds of good stuff all around us and we're going to have to say no to good things. There's so many options and you just can't do it all. So what are you ordering your life around? What are you committed to? Are you committed to worshiping Christ or not? There's so many people, aren't there? There's so many people who want your time and your energy and your investment. Who do you think God would have you invest in? Well, I think according to these scriptures, He'd have you invest in your spiritual family. And so if we look at this list and we go, okay, you gave me five things. Five ways I can unite my family with this church. And you go, that's great for parenting. But if you look at that list... Every single one of those applies to you whether you have kids in your home or not, don't they? So now I've given you something practical that you can take home and say, Hey, I want to worship Christ. Maybe I should get connected to a spiritual family. How can I get connected to a spiritual family? Here's five simple things I can start with. And so it's a really simple message. I didn't have a whole lot to share, but I think we just have to hit these thoughts because sometimes we can say, yeah, that's a great idea. And then we go on through life and we start to make small choices and they take us away. And we've got to make small choices that bring us back together. So in summary this morning, I'd just say this. First thing, check yourself. Check yourself. Do you have a worship of Jesus Christ at the core of every single thing you're doing or not? Are you worshiping Christ? Are you going after those boundless riches of Christ in everything you do or not? If you're a parent and you have kids, are you going after the boundless riches of Christ and worshiping Christ in parenting? Or are you parenting for some other reason? We've got to have that, folks. We've got to have that. That starting point, that foundation from which we can all launch out and work out the details. And the methods and the hows and the what's of parenting. Do you have the worship of Jesus at the core of everything you do? And then, if you do, do you believe these scriptures and you say, Yeah, i got to get connected my family whether I'm one or eight. i got to get my family connected with the spiritual family because that's what God says to do and that's how I can fully worship Him. Because if you do that, this gives you the opportunity to receive help. And it gives you the opportunity to help others as well. And that's what God would call us to do. And so that's why I wanted to share this morning about parenting with the gospel.